Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotner. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry, my little uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio hotner. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Viewers, and welcome to episode 25 of Radio Hotlap. Uh, sorry we're a bit late this week, but uh, Johnny spent two solid weeks on the road from Clipsal 500 over to the Adelaide Grand Prix, uh, over the Adelaide, sorry, flashback, flashback, uh, to the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne, <laughs> and where, where he managed to catch the flu, nothing to do with uh, too many late nights and too much alcohol, of course. Um, Johnny, how are you feeling? I'm not, I'm not the best. I'm not the best. We should start it again, actually. No, I don't think we will, because we don't edit. Well, we edited the other time, yeah. You sounded a bit serious there on the way in, JP. Did I? Yeah, you did. Oh, I've had one of those serious sort of days today. Yeah, you sold your waterfront mansion. I have, so you're going to have to change the website now. I don't hold on to redundant waterside properties anymore. <laughs> it was redundant for a while. It was redundant for a while. Don't, damn, how many times did I try to get the keys off you for a little visit? Yeah, well... Anyway... I'm going to leave it up to you today, mate. I've done a lot of talking over the last couple of weeks, and I have to say, viewers, that I'm under the weather from uh, the flu, which seems to be going around many of the people in the paddock and uh, certainly the uh, the cohorts that were helping uh, Radio Hotlap and uh, the Hotlap web production organisation, Arama, at uh, the AGP. And the C500, come to that. So, uh, but obviously you've come back from Melbourne uh, with, with the dreaded flu. I'm glad to say... Touch wood that I haven't um, even got a slight hint at the moment. And uh, first thing we should do, I guess, is get on with uh, what the drinks are. Well, mate, I'm 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 not well, so I'm. So you can't cup. taste anything. Don't tell me. So I'm having a black label on ice. <laughs> Follow the clean skin Sav Blanc. Ah, <laughs> oh, Sav Blanc chaser. Very nice. Well, I'm just sticking to the good old Cooper's Lager. Uh, very carefully, I might add, because I shall be driving home later on. And it is very responsible of you to suggest that. Thank uh, you. It's not the fact that Glenn Cooper had dropped over so much lager <laughs> that we can't get through it all, but it's great to have it here, because it's, it's a beautiful drink. It is. Not that we're sponsored by it. No, we're not, but uh, we do give credit to anybody who gives us free beer. We just get a lot of free sponsors. There's a little bit of chuckling in the background here tonight, viewers, as uh, my flatmate uh, at the uh, Hot Lap World Headquarters... <laughs> James is having a little bit of an ironing session before he decides to which bar to go out and get himself slaughtered at for the fifth <laughs> night in a row. Get over that cold! <laughs> uh, anyway, lead story, JP. Oh, right. Come on, what's going on? Lead story? Oh, oh, well, just what's lead? lead story? AGP's probably the lead story, uh, even though we're two days late and everybody else has bought all their cut stories and everything out. It was for... It was probably what I could only describe as... <clears throat> the most recent Formula One race I've seen, <clears throat> excuse me, that harks back to those days in the mid to late 80s where racing was really exciting. It was just absolutely non-stop start to finish, full on 
Formula One like I remember it. It was definitely exactly that. I've got a theory on that, and I'll tell you about that a little bit later. Um, took the boys down pit lane a couple of times and said, see these lovely pieces of machinery. They will be in a box tomorrow afternoon, all just rubble and mess, and all the engineers and the mechanics and the, the people who work on the cars will be consoled by psychics on Monday morning for all that hard work, and they're just turning into a bucket of rubble. Well, there was, um, <laughs> there was certainly a, some buckets of rubble, and you sent me some photos of those, those three, uh, and they certainly were... Were total rubble. In fact, Ferrari got the high score for rubble because they managed to destroy the T car as well. <laughs> three out of three ain't bad. Uh, now, so, my, yep, go on. Okay, my theory on the whole thing is yep. for the first time ever we've had a Grand Prix in Australia where it wasn't the first or the last event of the season. So now the season's got a little bit of momentum. If it was in Adelaide, it was the last event of the season, it was all over Red Rover most of the time, sometimes it wasn't, whatever. But people were tired, you know, there was nothing more to learn, just running out, we're going to got a new car coming. Beginning of the year, limited testing, don't know, no frame of reference, everyone can have a bad first run and get into it. Three races in, after Bahrain, then followed by Malaysia, and then coming to Australia, well, the championship is on. This is the last of the flyaway races before we go back to the European Europe. sector when we go to Imola. Mm. Yeah, good theory. I like it. Works for me. Uh, there was also a, uh, a, a bit of a, a rumour going out that uh, Bernie Eccleston may pull the rights to the first race of the season in uh, Australia and uh, the Ron Walker yes. super whatchamacallit of uh, <laughs> yeah. Victoria you know has got more money but less hair than most people has <laughs> said that we'll pull a contract nah, nah, nah. well hell let them pull it you know like yeah. I'd rather let them I'd rather have the third race viewers exactly. what do you reckon viewers was the third race to go I think it was I think you're dead right there and uh, certainly an exciting race uh, uh, for those international viewers um, particularly those in the UK, because I discussed this with my uh, with my rallies over over there. Um, you had your gen- your general run of the mill um, Martin Brundle uh, style commentary. We were lucky enough here to have uh, the usual Channel Ten team, including particularly probably Neil Crompton. Uh, but because Murray Walker was over the week before for Clipsal, they actually had him as a guest commentator. And uh, one of the comments that he made. It, during the race, or very early on in the race, was, and anybody who thinks Formula One is boring, I say you can't look at this, it's rubbish. And he was away. Bit of banging and crashing in the background there from James, but that's what he expected when you've got uh, interlopers hanging around the back of a studio doing a bit of ironing halfway through with the weather channel on in the background, viewers. It's going to rain! <laughs> it's going to rain. I was here the other morning and uh, James uh, had uh, pointed out to me quite early that there had been a huge uh, cyclone of some kind up in Innisfail. It was terrible. I looked at the... I said, it's awful. He goes, it's, it's just, just, just tragic. I looked and said, you love the weather, don't you, James? And he went, I do. I said, this is like Formula One of weather. It is. Any, he's taken that to his heart. He any says, big cyclone. Definitely in the background. Weather Formula One. Yes, he's a real estate agent yeah. who's just recently retired from the Innisfail area. <laughs> He yep. said he wouldn't join the show, but as you see, <laughs> they get sucked He's into it. That's he'll, right. be, he'll be on there. Um, I was going to say... You were. I were. Thank you to Duncan, one of our viewers from uh, New South Wales, who uh, sent me an email pointing out that the MP3 link for uh, last week's show was broken and he couldn't download it. And I think he was uh, getting a bit upset about that. So uh, Johnny's fixed that up today, and uh, that for those was my of you... fault because I was a little busy, and uh, also I was a bit tired, and also the high-speed connection in the media centre at the Grand Prix was such that uh, you know it is quite a fast link, but when you get forty uh, media 
in there trying to get a connection and send data up, then the connection it becomes slows a little right bit yeah, exactly. And, and I simply and forgot. You forgot. So uh, yes, Duncan, okay. apologies for that, and uh, thanks for sending in. Yeah, it's always we good don't to get usually a bit of talk. We only, we only talk about the negatives. Yeah, <laughs> and on the and the negatives, and I also. Look, on the negatives. <laughs> well, it's not so much a negative, but it's interesting to know how people communicate with you when when they're missing an episode. You know, look, we just do this because we're enjoying it. But I got an in, uh, an email from a certain Bonzo today who said, "Whether can't say the word starting with F is episode twenty five. I went, "Well, geez, I'm sorry, but like you know, we were <laughs> we were busy." But, and uh, I had the flu. This will be episode twenty-five, and when you hear it now, you'll uh, don't pester us again with that kind of communication. But at least you've heard your name on the show, Bonzo. Or you can go and get unpronounceable. That's right. You could say the word, but Steve Jobs. Exactly. He'd be he'll, cussing he'll, on his way back from boot camp. Oh, he's on boot camp. He'll we'll have a smart for explicit content, <laughs> and we don't want that. What else? I don't reckon we'd get any more if we had clean on it. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon we might try the explicit tag. It'll probably go through the roof. Well, it could do. That's a good point. Oh, you always bunch of... Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think that uh, probably... It, it's probably time we rang Linda because she's probably hanging out for tea. Fair viewers, enough, We're going to try and uh, get in contact with, uh, with Linda because she's down checking out her map of Tasmania currently. She is. Oh. We'll just have a quick look. Hang on a sec while we dial it. We'll just cut this out. A little yeah. interlude. You're going to have to cut all that out now. Can you believe it? First time you try to do it this way. Oh, sorry. Uh, you put us through to room one, but uh, she absolutely fumbled the phone. Okay, Thanks. Hello? Hello. Hello, Linda Long. I wouldn't go any further than that, considering you're live on the show today. <laughs> live from room one of the Somerset Service Department's right there on the waterfront in Hobart. Who are you speaking That's all right. How's it going, boys? <laughs> Oh, very good. Thank you, Linda. You sound a lot better now than when you tried to put it on speakerphone earlier and we lost you. <laughs> Listen, I can navigate my way around and tell you, but I've got no freaking idea about in-room phones. Yeah, well, there What you the go. hell are you doing in Tassie anyway? Yeah, we told the viewers you were checking out your map of Tasmania currently. Oh, yes, you know, I'm actually down here working hard, if you don't mind. Thank you very much. Um, we're actually down here with, I'm actually down here with work. You and Warwick last year and the year before actually have um uh, have been very successful down there in uh, the Evo Seven. Uh, I believe last year, the last very last stage of the event, you did have come to a mishap, but the year before you managed to split Richards and Brock. <laughs> you love that, don't you, Hardy? Yeah, we actually did. We did. We've actually done three times together. This will be our fourth this year, and yeah, it's a couple of years. Yeah, but good for you, Linda. And uh, so, how's the, how's the record going? Are you, uh, you're in an, uh, an Evo Nine this year, I understand. Doing the, actually doing the recce in a similar car to what you're going to be driving in, in the uh, Target Tasmania. Yeah, that's right. We've actually got the road version of the Evolution Nine, which um, 
Mitsubishi and Rari Rabbit actually sent down for us for this event, which is fabulous because it's just made the world of difference doing reconnaissance in a car very similar to, you know, well, basically the same as to what you're going to be doing the event in. So it's been a lot better for us from judging corners and knowing how hard we can actually go into the corners now and where we can sort of clip and cut the corners and, and just the everything about it like we've previously done reconnaissance in uh, four-wheel drives which for anyone that you know does rowing will know it, they're not the cars to do them in because you're way too high so this thing sits on the road basically where we would be looking out and seeing so yeah no it's been fabulous and they're just fabulous cars like this road one like if i had the money yeah i'd definitely buy one they're such great toys Oh. Don't let that put you off, viewers. She's got plenty of money. <laughs> Talking about plenty of money, Linda, what are you drinking at the moment? You wouldn't be having a nice red after a Japanese meal, would you? <laughs> you guys know me way, way, way too well. I actually, guys, tonight I'm actually drinking a beautiful Pinot Noir, which is from the Roaring Forties, which is from a lovely little winery in Cambridge in Tasmania. So I'm being true to the state. I'm looking after the economy of the state by drinking their wine, and I must admit it is a very nice drop. Definitely Good worth a second a lap. I reckon a second and a half. A second and a half oh, around the going. Longford Hotel. <laughs> Car park. Oh, I'm in Longford Hotel yesterday afternoon. You name dropper. No, no, we actually did day one yesterday for Connaissance of Tiger, and the last stage is the Longford stage around the street. So you actually do finish, and the route instructions actually say for you to drive through the car park, or you can have an optional service, um, and so that's what you do. So naturally, we stopped there, and I had a bit of a drink and um, a bit of relaxation, but I'll tell you a funny story. Years ago, when I was first doing Target back in the early 90s, I was actually doing it with my ex, my ex-husband at the time. So anyway, we've gone through, you know, we've finished the, the stage, and we've gone into Longford Pub, because it's in the road instructions, you know, go in and have a look, because it's a fabulous historic basically museum in a pub in Longford which has got an amazing history about the F1 yeah, the, the, and everything the Grand else. Prix, so yeah. we've gone in there so you know the bright spark that I'm co-driving for decides to order himself a scotch and coat, grounds that and jumps in the car and I said to him well listen do you do your ass to zero alcohol level for Tiger Tasmania which is looked at me in total shock going well what do you mean we're finished and I said well, we actually hadn't finished. We actually had 20 kilometres of transport to do before we finished the event, which entailed him then getting out of the driver's seat, putting me in the driver's seat, him squeezing into the co-driver's seat because he was like six foot two or three, <laughs> and I ended up having to drive back to um, the end of the league, which was quite funny. So, yeah, it, for anyone doing Tiger Tasmania, go and have a look at the pub, but don't have a drink until you're finished. That's right. L- Linda, how... It brings me to a point, how many ex-husbands can you have at one time? When you've said an ex-husband at the time, does that <laughs> imply there are <laughs> other... that last week thing about women and everything else. I don't know, how many ex-husbands can you have? You let me know. Ah, it's lucky you had a big hit in amnesia. Oh, thank God for that. I can't remember them all anyway. Who cares? They're gone, they're exes. I don't want to know about them. <laughs> anyway, on a serious note... Um, just uh, how do you feel like, uh, do you feel it like wrecking down there in the car, which is going to be fairly similar, albeit a softer setup, will um, in- improve your position there when the race time comes around? Um, I'm hoping, because it's a crystal ball. You asked me to look into the crystal ball and I really don't know what everything else is doing. 
Look, I really do believe it has made a huge difference and it will make a huge difference to how we perform during the event. Um, you know, we're, we're both going into a new car, which is, you know, like basically a two-generation step up from what we had. <coughs> Derek actually hasn't been in a car until next week, which, as you know, we're testing next week. So they had this week just to have the feel. Um, yeah, as you said, it's, it's a softer suspension than what we will be running in the event. But just get the feel and the feel of everything around you and what it's like and, you know, like a relative performance, although it's, this car's not going to be anywhere what we're driving now. It's nowhere near as quick as what we will be in. It's a big mindset, it really is, and it's a comfort factor as well. So it's putting us sort of into our, our office area, basically, you can call it, getting used to our office area. Next week we'll be in our real office, um, you know, and then we've got basically uh, six days off before we're actually into the, you know, into the event. So, yeah, it, it's definitely doing a lot for our minds and also sort of feel of what's going on around us. I believe you're down in Adelaide last weekend when the Grand Prix was on to get a seat fitting and uh, I suppose after the accident you had last year that will definitely improve both the confidence of the driver, the team and also your own relaxed ability to be able to call the notes with, uh, you know, with, with comfort. Uh, definitely. I mean, it does make a huge difference and you don't realise these things until you have pretty gnarly accidents. Linda, you've spent a lot of time sitting next to Warwick in race cars, and often it's a case that the, the navigator, in, in, in some rare cases, female navigators like yourself, actually know their co-drivers or their driver uh, better than uh, hus a wife knows her husband. Um, True. That's not leading anywhere. What I was going to say no, no, is, no, like, no, maybe... But uh, no, but, but you'd only mentioned Warwick's first name, and so uh, maybe uh, we could elaborate on on Warwick's racing, Warwick Brooklyn's racing career, because he has had a pretty interesting career racing um, open wheelers in Europe, coming back and driving uh, um, uh, supercars at Bathurst and all sorts of things. Maybe you can just give us a bit of a pricey about Warwick's career. Do you know what? I reckon you're better speaking directly to the person himself. <laughs> is he oh, up to it? That? Is he there? I think, I think he'd be up to it. I don't know. I think he's a second boy. Okay. But come on, look, I reckon I can twist his arm. I mean, I tell him where to go and what to do all day. So I'm just 
just going to tell him where to go and what to do now. He's just get on the phone. So, guys, Linda, yeah, hold up. Yes, Li- welcome to White Welcome. Linda. Yes, sir. Can you just keep your voice a little bit away from the phone so we get a little bit yeah, of a clearer? Oh, is it really that bad? That's, yeah, that's better, better. That perfect. Is that one really nice? Yeah, that's <laughs> better. <laughs> it's not that You're nice. just too excited, aren't you? You like that, don't you? Yeah, that's better. Don't be. I'll just be. You know. Oh, crabby, you. Yeah. No, don't drop Warwick in on it. If he doesn't want to talk, he doesn't... Anything. He's a big boy. He can say yes or no. Hi, Linda. Okay, bye, guys. I'll put it on. <laughs> Hi, John. Hey, Warwick, how are you? Good, mate. Good. Mate, I just thought you might be able to give the viewers just a bit of a rundown of some of your motorsport career because uh, it's come. it started a long way back and I think the first time I remember you going car racing was in uh, in England and wearing dryzer bones. Yeah, but no, that was a uh, very lucky deal. But look, I started um, out here in Australia. I started in go-karts. I was just feeling a bit burnt out from all the uh, sailing and yacht racing and stuff. I wanted something different. And so I did go-karts for about um, nine months. And then um, just luckily I, I was able to convince someone that it was worth going to Formula Ford and they backed me into that. And that was sort of a bit of a stop-start because I, I was a bit reckless and spent uh, too much money fixing cars so that all came to an end then a guy called uh, Greg Campbell and Mike Quinn started a Formula Ford team and uh, they asked me to drive that and we won both the championships here in Australia and uh, I drove for Bondi that year actually um, with Alpha at Bathurst with a guy called Lucio Cesario who was a mad Italian Yes, uh, remember Lucio from his uh, his driving with uh, Alan Moffat in the Stuyvesant RX-7 and making a couple of mistakes and having to hang in his head? Yeah. Um, actually, the car we were in was the only one that Lucio didn't stick into the wall at uh, Skyline. <laughs> but um, he did spin it that year, and I said to Bondi, I said, tell him, I'll kill him if he crashes our car. So it must have sunk through, and we actually got the thing home, but... Um, what sort of alpha was it? I remember it was a, a Caltex or something. Was it a square, big square old alpha about 15, 15 years ago? Yeah, that's right. But that, that was actually Bondi's uh, car. That's the, well, it was Bondi's car until Lucio stuck it in the world skyline. <laughs> but, um, we, we drove together the year before. I actually drove the ex-Greg Hansford car with Lucio, which was um, a blue car, a GTV, V6. Oh, I remember that one. Sponsored by Pi Audio, out, um, <clears throat> old Crossy, Paul Cross, ex St. George winger, and his son is actually now um, with Eastern Suburbs, Ryan Cross. So, um, yeah, so he was our sponsor, and uh, Bondi had the yellow Ignis car, which was from the same company. So, uh, Crossy was our sponsor, or, or those companies. <laughs> I'm glad we've had a talk because it's just, it's just jogged my memory that I was trying to think to myself. How many people have made the transition from the top of a, of, of a sport which has got nothing to do with car racing um, into car racing and done well in that category? And I couldn't think of anyone other than Jack Ellsgood, the NRL player that I'm currently working with at the moment. Yep. Yet, really, you are, you're, you fall into that category having done very well in the 18-footer championships. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to think. In Australia, it's funny... Yeah, well, I suppose to answer your question in Australia, I don't really know of any, to be honest. There's been a few sportsmen like, uh, I think, um, well, um, Tony Gregg made a bit of a transition to production yeah, car racing. Yeah, he did racing. for a while. Tony Gregg? Did you really count that guy? 
And Grant Kenny had a bit yeah, of yeah, Grant, Grant, Grant Kenny had a go. Yeah, yeah. And Sam Newman. Sam never, Newman had his go in the Ferrari. Yes, I remember Neville from his days of the black BMW 635 with, yes. the, with the turret camera. That's right, with uh, JPS, with Frank Gardner. And, and actually, Neville did, in the very early days, I mean, now we've got the World Touring Car Championship again, but in the early days there was a World Touring Car Championship back in the Rovers and things like that in the 80s. Um, and the Holdens, that's when both Brocky and all that took the Holdens Yep. That was an interesting race, wasn't it, where the uh, where Brocky and, and Moffat did team up in the uh, HSV, or what, what would it be, the well, Holden HRT, HRT car, yep. and all the Texaco Sierras in front. Oh, no, they were the, they were the BMWs with Roberta Ravaglia, all yep, got, all got canned, nice. and the boys ended up winning it. That's yep. it, yep, yep. So, I mean, and the steer. Around in those yeah, days, and, and he was a very good steer, and uh, obviously he's done very well in the yachting as well. Um, just missed out on the Hobart win this year, um, but uh, he did win. Pretty sure he won Hobart with his other boat. I'm not sure actually. He might have been a bridesmaid a few times. But anyway, no, he, he's been very good in both both yachting and motorsport. Do you think that there's a common uh, common element there, or is it you know is it the ability to have you know excellent balance coordination, or is it just the adventurous spirit and the and competitive the competitive nature? Com- yeah, yeah. The, the competitive nature and the heat of competition. I love that adventurous spirit thing. <laughs> that sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's uh, fair. Um, having spent a fair bit of time with Jack Ellsgood lately, I'm, I'm getting that, that sort of uh, level of understanding with him. Um, and just going back to Peter Hopwood, I uh, don't think there was anyone else who could pedal a longer car around Amaru <laughs> Park. I think there's one of those extra long impalas in the Appendix J series, as they were called at the time. Well, I think also there wasn't anyone else that squashed as many minis. Because I remember <laughs> I, I, I was doing Formula Ford and obviously at Amarillo a lot in those days, and um, you'd see the mini scramble down the corners and then try and scramble around the outside of this um, apartment building on wheels. And then um, Hoppy, he'd just sort of 
hit the go pelters, you'd all light up and there's a couple of, you know, bangs between the armco with a mini in between, you know. <laughs> Warwick, in a cu- the next week, uh, over Easter, there is um, a Bathurst race of um, legends yeah, going legends on um, yeah. up there. And uh, we're, we're sending all the Utes up there and we've got... 11 legends, people that have been around Bathurst before. Um, Old people you're talking about, aren't you? We've yeah. got... Beg your pardon? Old people, isn't it? <laughs> no, they're not. We've got Andrew Medecki there. Oh, so, Medecki's yeah, yeah, Medecki's in with Jack. And I there's like a couple to, of... I can tell you some story about Medecki, but I can't tell you on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I already know. <laughs> but... Uh, well, I was going to say, mate, there's a couple of spare seats and, you, you know, you probably could just come along and be an arrive and drive if you're up for it. Could be up for that. Well, I mean, I might tip your name in tomorrow and see whether we Good can get idea. you, we might get you a go. I, I might have to go up there after all. <laughs> Now saying the legends race is ego. He won't get in the car tomorrow. Uh, uh, hearing about it, I'm a legend. I'm a legend. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we didn't want Brocky because he was too hard. Oh, exactly. We know that. Uh, he would be hard, mate. I, we did see him down there at the AGP, but uh, didn't have a nose brace on. Oh, was it fixed? Is it over the coals? <laughs> Who knows? Well, it made the papers last weekend. What he called? Finally. Yeah, well, you know, the, 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 we'll the, the episode with the plumber. Let's put we'll it that way. We'll get in trouble. Come on, boys, behave. Yeah, you're right. And you're not eating with your mouth full today, are you? No, I already did that while you were talking. So oh, what did you say again? I'm glad about that one. Okay, just going back to refocusing back on why you guys are down there. Warwick, how are you finding the uh, the production version of the Evo 9 um, down there just to be able to, to cruise around and just get a feel for the land again? I actually rang um, Alan Heafy today and said I feel spoiled. Um, I mean, as Linda said earlier, you know, previously we've, you know, Mitsubishi's looked after us. I mean, they've given us terrific cars, being the Overlander and, and things like that. Outlander. God, I've already stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even know the car. That's sad. Well, I've already just got hired. But it was no, close. No, seriously, it's terrific. It's a, it's, as a road car, it's fantastic. It, it hasn't got... A lot of bells and whistles like a lot of modern cars but um in terms of performance it is just great i mean one of the differences in this car is we've got the uh, six-speed gearbox which for a road car is actually a much better thing than the five-speed of the earlier models because um the, it used to run out of revs a little bit at higher speeds cruising where this is um it's just perfect and it's, it's actually making recce a lot quicker. And I don't mean that just from the point of view of, you know, going ballistic, but just the power of the car and the way that it can go around corners, it just soaks up the time so much better than being in a, in a you know, what you'd call a, a family sedan. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's got a much uh, talkier engine and that uh, is going to translate to ease of driving. Yeah, no, it is, and it's terrific. And the other thing is, too, um, is that, you know, as Linda alluded to, where we've got clips and cuts um, in that type of thing, in our notes, where in a car that's really soft suspension and doesn't really handle that well, you can't really find that out. Where in this, I mean, the spring rates are really not that far away from our race car. Um, the dampers, you know, for a standard damper are actually really good. 
um, and the brakes are just fantastic, like no brake fade at all. And so when you get the opportunity without being stupid, uh, you can have a little bit of a go and, and drop it into the dips and stuff and find out really what the car is going to do pretty close to a rally scenario, you know, with the cutting and all of that stuff. So it's certainly an advantage and a comfort zone. All within speed limits, of course, you know. Naturally. Oh, of course. No, I believe okay. next Thursday will be the first time you actually get in the, the proper factory car to do some testing. Um, up until that point, I suppose, really, you're only comparing the road going nine to your uh, race seven. Um, is that what you're saying is the, the similarities? Yeah, I, I'm comparing it to our seven race car, um, to, to the nine GSR, which is what this is. Uh, and there's, you know, there's not a lot of difference. It's just got you know electric windows and a stereo and things like that. Um, the seats, I tell you, the, the standard seats in this thing are really good. I mean, not only do they hold you in, but they're really comfortable. Like we've been in the car today for ten hours, and um, not a sore back, and it's just yeah, really nice performance road car. Well, that's really good to hear, and I'm sure Mitsubishi would be pleased to hear that you're, uh, you're, you're approving of the road car. Exactly, and enjoying it so much as well. Yeah, but that is the honest truth, guys. I mean, we're not just building it up just because it's Mitsubishi. I mean, of all the cars we've ever had, this is just a beautiful car straight off the factory showroom floor. Absolutely. Look, I mean, uh, you know, we're not, we're not getting a check-in from Mitsubishi, but, uh, you know, if they wanted to... Throw some, throw some out, outlandish. I mean, outlander. What are you doing? They want to drive me an Evo Nine. I'm happy to drive round in one. No problem. Yeah, whatever. Actually, I'm actually thinking, like yourself, of updating our silver non Mitsubishi product. Yeah, well, John, I reckon you and I should go with the uh, Mitsubishi product that I'm talking that um, I'm going to be um, probably hopefully purchasing uh, later on in the year. Absolutely. All right, guys. Um, look, uh, all the best down there. Have a safe, yeah. uh, safe uh, recce. And um, Warwick, I'll see what we can do about whether we can drag you up to Bathurst and, and um, get you to tell a few stories about a certain Port Macquarie racing car driver. Yeah, well, look, I, I mean, it's funny. I'll just, just, you know, quickly end this. When I was in my early days of Formula Ford, there was a guy called David Moore. His son, actually, Barton Moore, has just gone to America to um, race in Formula Atlantic. He won't be racing at Long Beach this weekend, but he's, he's doing the next race and on a limited budget. But the point was, um, there was an engine, engineer, probably one of Australia's greatest open-wheel engineers who passed away a few years ago too, uh, Bruce Carey. And he used to look after Andrew's Formula Atlantic car. And the Formula Atlantic car and my Formula Ford were in the same shed, and I spent many hours and very, you know, a lot of late nights up there. And so when I wasn't doing the Formula Ford and there was an Atlantic race, or Formula Pacific it was called here actually, you know, with Alpha Costanzo and... Um, yep, uh, John Bauer. ...and all those guys, yep. I used to go along as the uh, pit crew helper. And so, um, yeah, there was a few funny days and nights came out of that and I uh, might be able to share it with you and Andrew actually up there if um, I make it. And in fact, I think if we go back before the 1985 Australian Grand Prix where the first time true Formula One came to Adelaide, uh, the Australian Grand Prix was run at Calder Park. And looking back at some of the early photos, we have like Roberto Moreno and Nelson Piquet and and uh, and some of the people that you've mentioned there, John Smith as well, like uh, cruising around in those cars. Absolutely. Well, actually, a really good friend of mine and um, he's still a good friend. I drove from years ago at Nissan, a guy called Greg Siddle. I was with him last week. He, along with Bob Jane, really put that deal together and... Um, 
Greg or Peewee is his name. Yes. Um, brought out Alain Price, Keke Rosberg. Um, Jonesy was out here when he was still in F1. Um, in Atlantic Cars one year. And uh, obviously Roberto was hot property in Formula 3 at that time and had the uh, testing contract with JPS Lotus Formula 1. Um, so, yeah, I was sort of down there for that. And, uh, yeah, it's... Um, there was a start of, and you think of that we had the AGP last week at Albert Park, and that um, you know, oh, Bob Jane really kicked that off. You know what? Twenty years ago, at a something like a two k track at Calder, in a bit of a dust bowl, you know, and it's uh, it's amazing how things transpire. As a racer, I'd like to get your opinion on my thoughts about why that race last weekend was exciting for the viewers. I thought it was the first time in the history of Formula One in Australia that we haven't had a race which is either the first, in, which would be in Melbourne, or the last in Adelaide. The last event, you know, they're tired. The first event, they don't really have a frame of reference. Race three, hey, I think there's some momentum going. Yeah, there's definitely momentum going. Um, and just looking at, I mean, I've been doing a lot of sailing, so I haven't sort of been able to catch up on all the motorsport stuff. But from what I could understand, uh, there were issues around the tyres um, in terms of the working temperatures of the tyres and the ambient temperature that was going to be in Melbourne that weekend as opposed to where they've been earlier this year. So that was, you know, even though we'd had runs on the board, it was kind of a new um, frame of reference from that perspective. Um, obviously, you know, with the V8 engines um, and the two-race package and that, some people were going into their... You know, we're using their engines for the first weekend, others were using it for the second weekend, and we saw, obviously, the, the Cosworth suffered. Um, but, yeah, it's... I think, for me, in, in any sport, it's, it's kind of... Yes, you get the runaways, and, and you can't ignore what Renault's doing. Um, and it was interesting, actually, watching Honda and Button, who qualified so well, but really fell away in the race. But um, it, I think it really takes a quarter of a season to to set a set a pattern, and as we see in F1, it just changes so damn quickly. It's amazing. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Um, we've not had a race late in the month, or almost in, into the next month, and traditionally um, the event would happen early March in Adelaide yeah. and Melbourne. The temperatures are quite transient. Like we get very high temperatures there uh, early in the month, and you get a little bit of a low dump, and then you get another high. Um, and basically they've come off Clipsal, which would be very, very hot, and it would be, you know, they would just be thinking, hey, it's going to be warm over there, but it, it wasn't. And two weeks prior, it was always going to be warm. So they've yeah. been caught out without data, I think, on that case. Plus having four safety cars, that's uh, definitely going to be a bit of an issue. And you can see, I, what, what was surprised me, though, was how everyone seemed to be caught napping because Alonso managed to just make a huge break from them, yep. like on the chute, across, uh, the, you know, of course, you know, they've got to stay behind him until they get across the start line, but they still, you know, they weren't on him. So either their cornering speed coming onto the two corners onto the straight was just, their type performance was so low that um, that was, it was really chronic. Well, I think the thing is, too, is, you know, the different manufac tyre manufacturers here, obviously, um, some tyres are heating up quicker than others so they can get on it earlier. Others are taking a lap to, to get heat into their tyres, into their race tyres. The other thing too is, <coughs> excuse me, that um, as you just said, the rule is you can't pass a car until you um, cross the start-finishing line. 
and that a lot of those incidences, um, <coughs> sorry, just got a thing, um, the guys were st stuck behind slower cars, and so Alonso just took full advantage of that. Absolutely. All right, guys, we'll leave it with you. Um, Linda yep. Long, Warwick Brooklyn, thanks very much for taking the time out. And Warwick, especially you, because we didn't expect to, to yeah, get you great, on the Warwick. show. And Thank you. It's always, the, it's always the impromptu ones that are the best conversations. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> don't get shitty, Linda. Oh, I'm a woman, I'm allowed to. Just because you couldn't pull it off. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, dear, you're just too close to the subject. You're in deep trouble. <laughs> I can't <laughs> imagine. All right, thanks, guys. Enjoy your recce and the rest of your weekend. Yes, I'm going to send. Uh, I'll send Linda down an email that there's one that I re had read about read about in the Qantas magazine when I came down for the second final round of the supercars, and it was like it was the first time in my life I've ever had a degustation Chinese. What is that? You know, like you know, you, you know, like they bring they just keep bringing things out. Oh, like yum cha? No, not like no, yum not cha. Really like too. going to cables, babe. Except it's high in the town, and they're doing food and wine matching. Oh, I like that because you know, like every time we um, get on the plane and we read the Qantas magazine, we end up at the um, restaurants that we read. Well, there you go. <laughs> Fancy that. We yeah. did the same too. Fancy that. All right, I'll send you the information. All right, thanks, honey. Thanks, boys. Now, listen, Hardy, you take care of that horrible, wicked, wicked cold or flu that you have. I think I'm over it. Are you? Thank you. <laughs> Tell you yeah, what, for you know, now. Like grumpy old bear <laughs> well, JP's come round. He's cooking me corn beef. Uh, well, I'm not cooking. He got the corn beef and everything, and invited me round for tea. Oh. <laughs> anyway, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> Too much information, night boys. Bye. Okay, see ya. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Moving right along, then. Um, from Tasmania, I've just got to go back to uh, the AGP for a moment. Michael Schumacher. Yes. I think he might have had a bit of a hit when he came around the, fir the first corner there because uh, he, he walked did. into the wrong pit. <laughs> walked, into, walked into Toyota and he walked in there. And, and then he couldn't up. find his way out. He couldn't find his way out. And he's going, I just want to see my brother. He's actually <laughs> busy at the moment racing Formula One cars. Nah, to be fair, he was just trying to get away from the media. Yeah, of course he was. He was. He didn't want an interview right at that moment. Uh, when, who can blame him? And, but then when he did have the interview a bit later on, he did say that he was, he was in there too hot and uh, really there was no, nothing else could happen. And talking about a backflip, 22 teams have said they want to go and join the 2008 Formula One program after the GPWC breakaway consortium and all the all the likely contenders yes. have put their hand up anyway. So the one will get in and uh, probably be ProDrive, I reckon. ProDrive. Pro the ProDrive yeah. put their hand up in the last week to say they want to go Formula One racing. Well, that's not really surprising, is it? Let's face it. Well, let's have a little bit of techo. You've got some interesting techo, and then we'll come back to the yeah, motor racing. I've got some very interesting techo, actually, for uh, those viewers of you who haven't yet caught up with it. And it actually made the mainstream media yesterday, I notice. Um, Apple have introduced a beta version of a thing called Bootcamp, which is quite a funny acronym, really. Well, it's not really an acronym. Um, it's something that Apple used to use to describe their very heavy-duty weekend-long training sessions that they used to do. Back in the day when there were Apple margins and you could That's actually right. afford to do that. And you could afford to send people interstate training for the weekend. Like the days when they had the whole reseller network from Australia on a 747 to Singapore for a, for a reseller meeting. Oh, that's <laughs> Today right. Today you've got to pay. You do. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, and so I had I was eye chatting actually one of the guys at work on uh, Wednesday night, and he, he he 
emailed me this link to boot camp and I said, what do you want to go and do some training for? And he went, no, 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 no. Anyway, check out the website. As I say, made the mainstream media yesterday. And uh, you can now successfully run Windows XP on your Macintosh. If you go to apple.com slash macOSX slash bootcamp, you'll find it there or just type in bootcamp. It'll probably be an icon on the front page. But essentially, JP, it is a operating system that allows you to install XP as well as the Mac OS on an Intel-based Macintosh, yep, yep. which gives you the best of both worlds. For those of you who have a Mac out there, you definitely need the Intel, the new Intel jobbies, obviously. Um, but yes, it allows you to install XP. It, the, um, the software, if you're going to do this, you need to be very conscious of the fact that you have to download. It's an 83 meg download, so it's pretty big. You need to burn a CD uh, because you then have to, in, once you've in, partitioned your hard drive and installed uh, Windows XP, you then have to install the drivers appropriate to the Mac hardware so that your USB devices and the video and everything else will work. So you need to follow the instructions fairly carefully. We got it up and running on a machine yesterday and ran like a charm. It's had some very, very good reviews on PC World on the net. There has been. That, in fact, that, that's absolutely wonderful. There was nothing negative and they were playing some high-end games and with all the high frame rates and all the right resolutions. Now, this is a pretty clever strategy, mate, um, from Apple's behalf. And, of course, us Apple insiders, you could just sort of see what was going on. Yeah. But, obviously, when you take over the chipset that is used throughout the PC architecture, and then you use it in the Mac, well, there is a means of being able to run the operating system, which was running on PCs on that. Um, there was a, a BIOS, the old systems ran on a BIOS, um, based opera system where they loaded some code in before anything else and all the other peripherals were read. This yep. is an EFI based system, but uh, and I think Microsoft have really been caught uh, sleeping there because they probably thought oh, it'll take them forever to, to, to do right. that. But uh, they just forget that that Apple innovates so well. So and now, so, so you have to wonder how many uh, dollars Microsoft have spent R and Ding virtual PC, which they only purchased what eighteen months ago. Uh, to to ready it for Intel based Macs, only to have only be gazumped by Apple themselves. But what does this mean for Microsoft? This is really a good thing for Microsoft. It's a win win situation for all because everyone needs to go and buy a legal copy of XT or the new Vista application uh, operating system and, and it load it onto it. the new chipsets. Yep. So they're they're both they're all working in the same same environment, and the Intel dual core solution is, you know, Microsoft or Dell or or whoever as well as Apple. So I just think that that's a positive thing. And what, what while I suppose we can hopefully help, uh, hopefully help, hopefully expect is that the corporate, the corporate world will now start to look at yes. the Apple hardware as a competitor. Um, well, we've and, actually... And, and give that dual boot operator... To give you, to give you an idea there, uh, but we've actually got a, uh, a client who's a major mining company um, and they currently run a mixed network of Macs and PCs, and they run some pretty heavy-duty, high-end um, uh, mapping software for um, ge geological stuff on PCs. Uh, we actually loaded up um, Boot Camp yesterday on one of their Macs, uh, cranked up, installed their uh, mapping software, cranked the thing up, 
and it ran just as well on the Mac as it's, it's traditionally done on the PC. And these guys are over the moon because suddenly they can take one laptop out into the field when they're doing uh, geological exploration and they can run their regular Mac software on there and then they can load on this uh, mapping software for the PC and it's all on one box instead of having to cart two laptops around. And for people like, uh, like myself, which where I need like a PC to be able to verify um, browsers. Web design. Web design yep. on browsers which are running on the Windows-based operating system. Well, hell, I've got one box that can go out to the field. And also satisfies, you know, I, I think from a, from a financial point of view, I feel safeguarded that I'm happy to buy a rail like the you know, top-of-the-line laptop or, or desktop machine. That it, but I can just go, sorry, turn it into John mode and I get creative and turn it into rail mode and you can go coding. Yep, absolutely. So uh, we Worth we'll a look, keep viewers. you updated, viewers. But uh, please go and have a look at apple.com. You'll find all the stuff there about boot camp and if you just google boot camp even as recently as this afternoon from wednesday night our time um there's pages of stuff a1gp's come to an end yeah it has you know it it, it was a great concept but it just it seemed was. like it fizzled out a bit in the media as a, as the time went on and i remember when we actually started our program um about 25 was, episodes ago i think well, we were, i think it was about 25 episodes it, ago. i think yeah. it was going on that long so <laughs> It seemed to, it had a great hype to start with. It's clear that it won't it was, be able to take over the world of Formula One. It was a great moment. concept, and when it kicked off, I think everybody had high hopes for it. It was it, it was a level playing field for a number of countries, um, but obviously the spectators weren't there. Um, and the drivers weren't there either. They no, were, true. You, you never know who was going to be driving the damn car. It seemed like it was a bit of a lottery, and that will uh, account, unfortunately, for, I, I think, Australia... A credible effort, but uh, you know the, the, there was a relatively, you know, limited testing program, and the drivers were not prone to be spending a lot of time in race cars. And that, they were, that, and something else always came up that was more lucrative. It seemed like yeah, that's right. Thirteenth <laughs> they came. Anyway, the on top was France, followed by Switzerland, Britain, New Zealand, Malaysia, and Brazil, rounding out the top six. A one GP two thousand and Christmas two thousand five season. So what happens next year? Absolutely. Oh no, you. I believe you said something about you wanted to hark back a bit to the um, the Clipsal 500. Oh, yes. Look, uh, I I just wonder where it comes to. This is one thing that's just really displeased me, uh, that it's come to a point where you have an event which is a Carlton United event, um, effectively, and uh, fair enough, VB's the, the co-branding partners yep. with the supercars, and, and, and they're in the VB there challenge, along, and, cetera, and, and the event even more so is co-branded with um, Cougar. Yes. To the point that I believe that uh, there was uh, restrictions on any media which was shown on the website related to the Jack Daniels team. Now, if the Jack Daniels team won, okay, it's going to be on the podium, but... Uh, if you have a look, viewers, on the clipsofivehundred.com.au website, you will find no reference to the Jack Daniels team uh, in its new livery for the first time it was seen, obviously, because that is a conflict of interest. So I think that it's not right that they're not telling the, the true story. I suppose that could go on if you're really out of the bit of a think about it. There was a conspiracy theory, considering we used to do the website for the place, and uh, but now we do Coopers. So... That's well, not a CUB product either. Exactly, and and uh, as we all know, and it was fairly well publicised over here in Adelaide, the, the, to the fact that Glenn Cooper actually had to get special dispensation to uh, be able to entertain his clients in the Cooper's box actually drinking Cooper's beer. Um, because, again, being a CUB event, uh, they get carte blanche on the, on the whole uh, alcohol supply for the event. 
anyway, we've only built the event for five years and uh, an Australian company, but it's uh, seen fit for the uh, Eclipse of 500 management to send the tender out to a Canadian resource. Well, I think that would be taken in a very dim view if Darren Hinch was still doing his evening show. I think he'd probably be right. I but he's got his own troubles. I was going to say, we don't need to go to Darren Hinch at the moment. He's yeah. in enough, enough hot water as it is. <laughs> we can get rid of that one. <laughs> Cross that off the list. <laughs> now, while we're talking about the uh, the, uh, the Clipsal 500, um, we had a uh, an email in from Linda from Lawn System and uh, she nominated somebody for the uh, WOW <laughs> segment. Linda from the Somerset Service Department. No, no, no. This is Japanese no. last night who's having fish and chips tonight. Linda's in Hobart. This is Linda from Launceston. Just, oh, a, you know, uh, one of those amazing coincidences. Linda's doing and uh, she'd, nominated, <laughs> she'd nominated for the WOW segment, you know, which is the anchor of the week, um, a certain gentleman who uh, disposed very rapidly of a Ford sign during the Clipsal 500 and it was very, very obvious at the end of the coverage and it's got a lot of media in, well, in the motor racing press at least. Um, but uh, we cannot do that because what was well, occurring we was actually right within the rules. So we can't actually call him a wow. So John, would you like to sort of elaborate on, on the ins and outs? Yeah, of like it's, been, it's been clearly in the rules that in Park for May and which is probably also the breezeway underneath the Clipsal 500 uh, podium, um, there, there is a cordon that's put on there at, from the exit of pit lane over to the pit wall and down pit lane where the the cars come down there. Or virtually all cars are apart from in park from a down pit lane and they have yep. a, a runner around them to protect anybody going there for various purposes, for technical reasons, for weigh-in purposes, or whatever. Um, and, and for whatever reason, there has been a rule, and, and rightly so, that you can't take advantage of that situation to do, you know, carte blanche media stunts. Um, someone came in there, you know, Jamie Wincup came in there with a Ford promotional poster, and Kyle Hitchcock, who's the media manager for Avesco, had come along and said, look, hey, that's not on. Look, from right. what people saw, you, you've got to move quickly, because television <laughs> works in real time, and, and it's just not fair. And we saw a previous year that, that Steve Johnson had actually ended up on the podium, and you know he wasn't meant to be on the podium, but that, by, by effectively being there, he was getting media coverage by being seen on television with his own you know, jerseys and da-da-da-da, and his, his driving suit um, sponsors. So, you know, fair's fair. Everyone's yep. sort of gone, hey, oh, it's that guy being heavy-handed, but he's doing his job, and he's also protecting the value of the sponsors associated with the sport who have spent a lot of money to be there. So, you know, it's true. You know, it's not like you can put up a a, 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 a wall there that you can't see in. You just have to act quickly. So he was definitely doing his right job, and he was quite within his rights to do it. And that doesn't make him a wow of the week. And uh, but nevertheless, I mean, it, I think a lot of the viewers have, have got the idea, and, and I can see why that you've seen Scafie and Co at the end of Bathurst holding up the Holden number one posters. And you know what was such a big deal about the about uh, Jamie Winkup holding up the uh, Ford poster. Well, it was just a breach of the rules. Different rules, I think. Exactly. I, I think yep. that the rules are probably different at Bathurst as they are at Clips or 500. Well, but the, then you remember at Bathurst, that's up on the podium. That's not per, Park Ferme. And you don't actually see the cars going into Park Ferme at Bathurst. So there we go. So just, we cover uh, that one off. Just before we uh, we close off for the day, I think um, rather than have, you know, all the time we sort of turn it into the Alan Simonson V8 Ute show or something, but uh, we haven't. <laughs> But uh, just give you a bit of an update on how the V8 Utes have, have gone. All right. Not so much really um, the, the the drivers and everything like that, but the Western Australians, Grant Johnson and Kerry Wade, have done absolutely brilliantly. They blitzed the field at AGP absolutely again. Absolutely blitzed the field. 
for sure. And in the AGP after, as JP said, after the Clips of 500, reversing the, the role there with Kerry Wade coming on top from Grant Johnson. Now, that is directly related to the fact that they had a excellent Greek meal with me and Greg Willis down in Rundle Street on the Monday. I gave him a few tips, and I said, "What you guys need to be doing is going in and uh, and 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 finding out what's going wrong with that, that break package." They've done. They've, they've taken my advice. They've gone in and they've found that the heat is effectively bending the the heat off the disc is yeah. bending the axles on the rear of the car, and hence the discs are warping. Because the rear brakes don't work, then it's making the front brakes work, work too much. The front hard. brakes are overheating, then they're going off, so they've got no brakes, the cars are going straight on. Okay, which is so what the solution, which Mick McCannaman had said in the very first place, was to put floating rear axles in. At a technical working group committee on Monday night, it was ratified, and floating axles are going in to the oh. car, effectively double, large, large you know, half shaft, which yep. can just slide in and out without the, without oh. the, um, the wheel need to come off. Very good. So there you go. If you don't listen to me at the first place, so the moral of the story is get some Greek India. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, well, there's a line there, but I'm not game. <laughs> <laughs> well, corned beef coming up tonight. It is, absolutely. It's yeah. winter it's time. Been simmering away. Uh, yeah, for those of you who were down here for the Clips of 500 and enjoyed the absolutely glorious weather we had that weekend, here we are two weeks later on the Friday night, and it is very miserable, very autumn. And winter is just around the corner. Yes, it is Friday night. We apologise. Uh, I have been under the weather, but I must say that this is the first glass of uh, wine I've had all week, and I thought, absolutely, well, I've done a good job then. Prior to the <laughs> arrival of the JP, but uh, a little bit of a shine's come on, so I feel like well, I'm sort of back on back on board. It's all these uh, alcohol-free zones that they sort of tell you to have and alcohol-free <laughs> week. But I did get three bits of advice uh, this morning. Jack Ellsgood rang to tell me to pick pick pick, pick my act up and get some stuff done for him, and, and he wouldn't be paying me anything and I said mate I'm not feeling well I said oh when I'm not feeling well I have a scotch and coke and go to bed I said well is that going to get the work done he goes no just have a scotch and coke I went to the chemist this morning I went look yeah. I just need a bit of a um, you know some codril he said well really I don't think you need that go home and get a nice scotch with some sugar and lemon <laughs> and put that in and you know I don't know what the third story was because I've had a few scotches <laughs> you idiot you've probably also had a nana nap afterwards going by your hair when I arrived <laughs> rusty Sausage has been with us tonight, but uh, the Rusty Sausage She's has been, on the as on, she has been fully eating, night and day, All of the, and now that she's moved to organic food, the Rusty Sausage has moved to organics, um, just don't see her all the time, she's just yep. out there, um, just chasing, there chasing stuff out the backyard. Yep. Well, Anything else? No, nothing else I can think of, not, not for tonight. Alright viewers, see you next week. For our half-yearly episode. It'll be episode yeah, 26. 26. 25 is an episode, isn't it? It is. But it's just one off 26. It and is. it's uh, 26. 44 off your lucky number. <laughs> yeah, all right. And on that note, good night, viewers. Good night, viewers. Good night, viewers.